Good morning, everyone. Um, so we're doing a collection of messages, sermons, talks, and here's the title. And we did part one last Sunday, and this is part two, and there are four more weeks to go. And the title of these talks are this, Young People and Big Impact. And so last week uh, was Gideon. Gideon was a questioning fearful young man and we talked about how God transformed him into this amazing leader. This week we're doing another character study uh, from the Old Testament and before we do let's just pray really quick. God we thank you um, for these moments that we have now to share to look at your word. We thank you for your grace and for your love. God we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would meet us in a real way. What we don't need is more tradition or to go through more motions. Uh, We actually, if you're real and big and alive, what we need to do is meet you in a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a bit of an introduction uh, to our passage that we uh, heard from Adam and Rachel. So, just before we get to this portion in history, after Israel was rescued from slavery in Egypt, they made a covenant with God at Mount Sinai. And they eventually came into the promised land. And there Israel was supposed to be faithful to God and obey this covenant, these covenant commands. And before we get to the book of Samuel, judges show us how Israel failed at that task big time. It was a time of moral chaos and it showed Israel's need for wise, faithful leaders. The book of Samuel provides an answer to that need. The book's story focuses on three main characters. The prophet Samuel, where the book gets its title. Then King Saul, and after that, King David. And all three of these uh, transitioned Israel from a group of tribes ruled by judges into a unified kingdom ruled by King David ultimately in Jerusalem. And the book of Samuel has a fascinating design that weaves these three characters together. And so part one, the character we're looking at this morning, Samuel, this is where we pick up, is from the chaos of the book of Judges. And we're introduced to a touching story about a woman named Hannah. Hannah grieved because she's never been able to have children. And by God's grace, she finally has a son named Samuel. And in joy, she sings this amazing poem in chapter 2. So if you want to turn with me to 1 Samuel, we'll start in chapter 2. And this poem, which is all about how God opposes the proud and exalts the humble. And despite tragedies and human evil, God is working out his purposes in history. And also it's about how God will one day raise up an anointed king for his people. And you'll see this poem in chapter 2. It says this, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. 
The bows of the warrior are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor for the foundations of the Lord, of the earth of the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now Hannah's poem here has been placed at the beginning of this book to introduce the key themes that we will see out through the whole story. Samuel grows up and becomes a great prophet and a leader for the people of Israel. Now this morning, we're going to zoom in in this portion of history between this poem and these events, which is chapter 3. Chapter 3 says this in in verse, verse 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. And I love this. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Just a side note. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. There's still time. If you're still breathing, there's still time. One of my favorite quotes on this matter is, if you're not dead yet, God's not done yet. So if the light hasn't gone out, God's not done. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran at Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So he went and lay down. And again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lay down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm going to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin that he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli. The guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. 
Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, Samuel answered, here I am. What was it that he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. If you hide from me anything, he told you. So Samuel told him everything. Hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. May God bless his word. One of the most common questions at any university Christian union is, how do I know what God is calling me to do? How can I hear what God is saying? 1 Samuel chapter 3 tells the story of a young man encountering God, and I believe that as we dive into the story, we will encounter God in the process today. Finding your calling is something we hear and talk a lot about in church. And maybe, like me, instead of finding your calling, you have a tough time finding your keys in the morning. But there is something inside all of us that wants to find that thing that we were made to do. And our souls won't be satisfied with anything else. No matter how many friends you meet, clients you have, or how big the house you build is, there will always be that thing inside of us that is unsatisfied until we find the thing we were born to do. And yet so much damage has been done in popular culture by the concept of calling that it actually makes us discontent with our lives. Because rather than understanding the real nature of a calling, we have a distorted concept of a calling. And often we spend our lives wishing we were doing something that God did not tell us to do. The Bible says here in verse 1 that in these days, while Samuel, the 12-year-old, who was apprenticing in the tabernacle because his mother Hannah prayed that she could have a son and uh, she had trouble doing that and then she did have a son and, and when he did, when she did, she dedicated him to the Lord and dropped him off at age four and only saw him once a year. And she put him under Eli, who wasn't doing a very good job, truth be told. He was letting the boys run around in the tabernacle and beat people up and uh, people who had brought their sacrifices to the temple. And they brought the sacrifice to bring it to God, but the priests took it for themselves. And they got confused about what it meant to honor God. They started honoring themselves instead and their opinions and their desires. And they started to treat God as common. And so the Bible says in those days with all of that going on, the word of the Lord was rare. Because they treated the Lord as common. We live in a day where it is so easy to get information, but so difficult to find truth. Because would you not agree that we are drowning in information and data, we are drowning in opinion, but starving for truth. I hear things all the time like, I don't know who to trust anymore. We don't know what's fake, what's inflated, what's made up. I watched a Netflix documentary last night called The Great Hack about um, Cambridge Analytica's involvement in the Trump election and the Leave EU campaign around fake news. 
a time when truth is hard to find. And wherever we are, you can take out your phone and any number of apps will even read the Bible to you. So the trouble here isn't limited access. The trouble is our attitude to the word of God. When the word of God becomes commonplace to us in the West, and we can have access to the word of God, but it will not have impact in our life if the word of the Lord is common. The first point I want to talk about is culture. The culture in Eli's time was a culture of neglect. Therefore, there was an absence of that special presence of God. The word of the Lord was rare because the Lord of the word had become common. And I just want to say to us today that many in our cultural concepts of listening to God, sometimes instead of worshipping God, we worship the idea of God's will. And rather than being in relationship with God, we want God to be a resource who is more like Siri than our saviour. Until we treasure the voice of God, value the voice of God, make time for his voice, and we can't get that by skimming, listening to pithy podcasts or YouTube videos, it is the revealed word of God that we're after. Now Samuel is receiving a revelation. Now in my life I haven't heard anything audible from God and sometimes we constantly hear, you need to find your calling, you need to find your calling. That's a lot of pressure. Maybe I just need to find a job. But did you notice that in this passage that even Samuel, who was the link between the period of the judges and the monarchy of Israel, 1,000 years before Jesus, even Samuel didn't get it right the first time. It encourages me to know that there is someone that God used to do something great. And he called him and he chose him. But even this great prophet didn't get it right the first time. We need to be set free today from the feeling that we have to find our calling. In fact, if this text is correct, then I believe it is. If Samuel is an illustration to us, then I don't have to find my calling because if I serve, the purpose of the season that I'm in right now and my calling will happen. Isn't that good news? When Samuel heard a voice and he didn't know who the voice was, that's the culture. And now I want to talk about the contact. Because when we first heard the voice, it sounded like something he had heard before. Have you ever noticed that it's hard to know the difference between when you're speaking to God and when God's speaking to you? Sometimes people can be really sure that God is speaking to them when it might actually be them speaking to them. The only way that the word of God or the voice of God can be recognized. The Bible says that Eli, the one who was old, who couldn't even see physically. I'm utterly convinced that we need people who are older than us, who have been on the journey, and to respect them and not just to think that because they don't have Instagram followers that they don't have something valuable to teach us. I'm really seeing the value in people who they might not have the physical health that they did. That they don't have the vision they used to, but they have the ability to discern spiritual things. They've been on the journey and they're wise. We need them. And Eli wasn't a perfect priest. God was actually in the process of moving him out of the way, the text says. And even in that transition, this whole passage is about transition. Samuel transitioning from a boy to a man. And Eli transitioning out and Samuel transitioning up. And he's ultimately stepping up into the thing God created him for. 
God deals with Samuel, but he does it through Eli. And whatever God is speaking into your life, it's going to come out of the context of the relationships you have. Contact is important. Because whoever you put around you the most will start to affect the voice in you that speaks to you. Sometimes in my life, I've noticed that I'm, if I'm not careful about my contacts, I'll become hearing things. We don't all hear voices, but we do process through thoughts. Now here Samuel is confused because he heard something. So he went where he knew to go. He ran. The Bible says when he heard his name called, first of all, it didn't sound strange. It sounded like what he was used to. So he ran because that's what he did. He had the right passion, but he ran to the wrong person. Some of us have the right passion, but we're running to the wrong person or the wrong place. Now, this is not only true in the case of Samuel. It was true in the case of many, like Moses. God called him to deliver his people from the Egyptians, and Moses had the right passion, but he got it wrong. Where he killed the Egyptian, it was the right passion, but it was misplaced. He tried to do it his way, and he didn't get it right. And some of the things that we've gotten wrong in our lives, it was God stirring us up, but it was Eli that we ran to. We ran to the thing that God was trying to remove because that's what we're used to. We ran to the thing we were familiar with because it's the only thing that our mind could understand. And so God might have given you a gift and you used that gift for a while until you found out, unless I offer this gift back to the giver, it's going to come back empty. But God is telling us that that was my voice that was calling you. That was me that gave you that gift that opened that door. It was me the whole time. And it was the Lord that called Samuel, but it was Eli that Samuel ran to. What are we running to? If we are running to something that is not our purpose, I'm trying to surround myself at the minute with people who bring out the God in me because our contacts are so important. Because certain stuff is contagious. We need certain people to rub off on us, to encourage us. And so he runs to Eli, but Eli tells him it's God you need to speak to. And the good contacts in our life will always point us back to the only one who has real power to speak to us. It is through Eli that God calls Samuel. Eli? This is the dude who blew it. This is how bad he blew it after three times. First three, a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And how good is it that God will call again, by the way? Ask Jonah. Jonah wasn't even a talented preacher. He didn't even really like people. But he used him. Because when God calls you, he will call back. Because what God calls you to is for you and no one else. And then he cried, here I am. And that really was the answer. Because it's not only the culture that confuses us. It's not just our contacts. But it's the conflict of calling. The conflict is great on an internal and an external level. What Samuel did next, what a beautiful story we have to show that God repeats things. That's one way to know that he's speaking. And in verse 9, he says, When it happens again, just speak, Lord. Just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. His greatest revelation happened in rest. 
Eli didn't say, that may be God, you better run out and catch him before he leaves. If God spoke to you, you better chase him down. No, if it was God speaking, he'll come back. You just need to be in position for it. That's all you have to do. God is not playing hide and seek here in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a portable structure in the wilderness because they never knew when God was going to say stop and when God was going to say go. And why? Because God does not want us to depend on his will, but he wants us to depend on him. There's a difference. One says, God, just show me what to do. That way I won't need you. And the other is to say, God, I want you. Wherever you leave me, wherever you take me, whatever it means and whatever it costs. And here's the conflict. Samuel goes down and he lays down. The Bible says he didn't know the Lord yet. He knew how to bake the bread because that was his job. He knew how to open the door so that people could come and worship. He knew how to follow around Eli and help where he could. But there's a big difference between the rituals of religion and relationship with God. If you're going to go through the motions, not really thinking, it's possible that you don't really know him. And I don't mean that you don't believe in God, but to know him is to know his voice. And when you know him like that, you can hear things that are hard to hear. But you can know that when he says them, they come from a place of love and grace and purpose. God spoke three times and nothing changed each time. Verse 9, speak Lord, your servant is listening and he lay down in his place. Samuel went and lay down in his place. We realize God's voice when we get in our place. It's not just when God speaks. It's when we get in our place and say, here I am, the honest me. The me that's ready to hear your voice for your will because I've tried my own and it's just not working. That's what Isaiah said. He said, I'm an unclean man with unclean lips, but if you touch my lips, I'll speak for you because holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So here I am, I'll go. Moses stood at a bush and turned aside, took off his shoes and said, God, I'm slow of speech. I'm not eloquent. And you saw the things I did that put me in this predicament. But if it's you calling, here I am. Jeremiah said, I'm too young for this. And your people are stubborn and you know they're not even going to listen. But if it's you calling, here I am. And the reason that I've confused, that I've got confused about my calling is because I'm not sure we just have one. It's complicated. Some of the things that I do personally in my life are so varied, and you can ask some of my friends. It's not that I'm wearing different hats, it's that I've almost got different heads. And this is the conflict of calling. We have giftings that are different for different seasons of our life. But the answer is always availability. Presence. When he said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, it created access. Not only for God's word to come to him, but for it to go through him. And what God said was difficult. He said, I'm transitioning. Not only am I transitioning you from an apprentice to a priest, 
from a priest to a prophet, but I'm transitioning Eli and his son so that my purpose can be fulfilled. And he said, you're going to have to go through a difficult transition right now. But by the time we get to 1 Samuel 4, verse 1, the Bible says that Samuel's word came to all Israel. I was curious why it didn't say God's word came through Samuel. But by this point in 1 Samuel 4, because Samuel said, Hear, Lord, speak. We now have gone from the word of the Lord is rare in chapter 3 to the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Because he had gotten to a point where he heard God's voice on the level that when he spoke, what he spoke came directly from the throne of God. God wants us to get into that place where we're not running all the time talking about what we're going to do one day. You might be called to own your own business one day, but can I just say that in the meantime, the only thing that God has ever wanted from you was all of you. The only thing that God ever asked of you was, here I am. It's what Jeremiah said, it's what Moses said, and it's what Isaiah said, and it's what Samuel said. And when he made himself available to the word, the word of God became abundant. I feel like God is saying to me to share that he is speaking to your whole life. Speaking through hard things. He's been speaking through rejection. He's been speaking through restlessness. And it wasn't that God wasn't speaking. It's that the people had lost their ability to listen. And so God said to Samuel, before you can speak for me, I need you to learn to listen. This is what God wants to fine tune in our lives. Just as we finish here. Some of us are still running to Eli when it's really God. Some of us are still trying to find something out there when he's trying to speak to you in your place. Samuel didn't wake up that morning looking for a calling. And maybe that's part of the problem. What if God has called us to first and foremost go to him? Wouldn't that set us free? That the will of God is not which job, which country, which person, our calling, our gifting. It's not a resource, but a relationship. Just as we finish, let's not go around looking for clarity or certainty, but confidence to know that I will make myself available in this moment. He will speak. We will, will we respond? Speak, Lord. I'm listening. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks who is alive and active in our lives. And you've been working through everything we've been going through and we just need to get into a place to listen. God, won't you teach us to do that? God, we thank you that all things work together for good. God, help us. Help us through the rhythms of getting into your word and to coming together as community to worship and praise you, to get people around us that are good for us so that we can listen, we can be in a place to listen and maybe he'll speak through us then. God, we thank you for this time that we've had together. We pray for the rest of this day, our service tonight, our community week going forward. Won't you use us, bless us in this place. God, we pray for revival in this city, in our world, that we can go to a place where your word is abundant. God, we pray this all in the Saviour's name. Amen.